I just wanted to say thank you very much, Nicholas Bornelis of Capital Inc. and Olga, you can come also. Uh, so thank you from Olga and myself um, uh, to you for making this uh, event a great success. It has not been easy, especially this year, as we are coming out of the pandemic, but we're not completely out yet. Uh, things are clearing up and the situation is opening, but it hasn't opened yet completely. So doing this event and having this tremendous uh, group of speakers coming from Greece, from the government side and the corporate side, is a testimony to your commitment to Greece, and we thank you very much. Uh, I'd like to thank my team for doing a fantastic job. Uh, please allow me to also thank Eleni Bay, who's out there. Let me tell you, I, I, I was, Special congratulations to Eleni Bay. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Stamatis and Aristides, who are the two, uh, and Nick Tsakos, the ship owners in the audience, and I said we had uh, a warm layup as a conference organizer for the last two years, so now we reactivated the, uh, with great success, uh, and thank you. Uh, thank you to the sponsors, thank you to the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, for the partnership, uh, for your support that allows us to do this event year after year. Uh, I'd like to, um, uh, to mention that we are privileged to have with us not only the Greek government uh, representation, but also to have with us the uh, high representation from uh, the uh, American government. We have uh, our ambassador from Greece, who came injured actually from Washington to be with us today and she's going back. We have uh, Maria Olsen uh, and uh, the ambassador designate George Tsunis with us, who is going to be the next team in Greece. Tonight, we have the great uh, pleasure of honoring Alex Fotakidis of CBC Partners for their commitment to Greece. And um, tomorrow we are going to ring the opening bell at the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, I will hand it over right now to Stefani Geckel from the New York Stock Exchange. I'd like to acknowledge, again, City for being, and and, uh, and Tacos for being the lead sponsors of this event, I don't know for how many years. We have a partnership that can never end, by the way. Uh, I'd like to acknowledge uh, Minister Staikouras, who spoke this morning. Uh, Adonis Georgiadis, who is going to speak uh, today, and of course Mr. Tsaklovlu and Mr. Papatanasis. Um, and uh, I will hand it over. And by the way, uh, I left the last, uh, you know, the, the best in the way for last. Uh, we have uh, Dr. Burla with us, who is going to be the keynote speaker. And of course, we couldn't have a better keynote speaker today than he, uh, given his. Uh, involvement with the global pandemic and also with Greece. So delighted and honored to have you with us. I will turn it over to Stefan. Stefan. Wow. Nico, thank you very much. Uh, this feels good. And Nico, to you and your team, congratulations on once again a full house. It's been way too long. We've all been waiting to get back together. And on behalf of Lynn Martin, John Tuttle, the entire team at the NYSC, Welcome, everyone. Welcome to New York, to those who traveled. And also, dear ministers, excellencies, listed companies, US and Greek alike, we're very happy to be aligned with you today and to be partnering with everyone here for today's Invest in Greece Forum, the 23rd of which 
And in terms of Greece, a, quick, a few quick words. We have um, 27 securities by 11 issuers listed with us. But also now we have a strong and growing commercial footprint in Greece with S-Docs now being part of ICE NYSE. And we're, we couldn't be prouder to have a, as I said, strong and growing presence in Athens now as well commercially. Tomorrow morning, um, around 100 to 120 million viewers will join us when here our Greek-American diaspora is opening the, the, op is opening the market with the NYC opening bell. But let me be brief, hand it back to Nico, and again, congratulations to Capital Link. Thank you. Bon appétit. Let, let me tell you, and I want to acknowledge Stefan and the New York Stock Exchange, uh, this is the longest running uh, the Greek, uh, Greek American Easter Day is the longest running event at the New York Stock Exchange, if I remember well, Stefan. It has a history of almost 20 years. There are no other similar events, so we're grateful to the New York Stock Exchange for their enduring commitment to, uh, to this partnership. Uh, let me invite now Nick Tsakos to say a quick word about uh, Nico. Nico Tsakos, the floor is yours. By the way, Nick Tsakos, uh, Tsakos Energy Navigation, they're celebrating 20 years of listing of the New York Stock Exchange this year. And uh, it's one of the oldest uh, listed companies. one of the oldest. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, Nico, thank you very much. Kalispera, uh, good afternoon to all. Your Excellencies, uh, ministers, Dr. Burlas, uh, I promise not to keep you away from uh, the salad for too long. Please continue. It's really a pleasure to be to see you here two and a half years later. And thanks to you, doctor, and your team, most of uh, us around here look relatively healthy and alive. So thank you very much for all your efforts. But uh, in a what a different world are we are all living in? It was December 2019 where I had the pleasure to address you. At the time, we were all looking forward to a new decade full of, ho of hope and uh, anticipation. Reading my notes of that lunch address, I'm surprised you invited me to speak here again today. <laughs> but what really happened should have been a script of a B-horror movie in which we all acted together, most of us surviving the effects and after effects of the virus. In our case, I'm, I'm talking about shipping as a whole, we had to protect not only our families, but thousands of seafarers around the globe. And I'm talking about international shipping and all the efforts we made to vaccinate those people living 20 or 25 at each time on a ship all over the world. And if all this wasn't enough, when we felt with the help of the miracle vaccines that things could not get worse, the real red alert plague hit Ukraine and has created further grief and chaos to us. In these unprecedented times, unprecedented times, with shipping being the artery of world economy, carrying 90% of trade, it's directly affected and in the forefront of all developments. As a result, during the first six months of COVID, 
energy transportation rates increased as the world stocked up for something very new and scary. As lockdowns continued and air travel got grounded, rates collapsed to historical lows. On the other hand, couch ordering of finished goods and supply chain distractions drove container rates to still skyrocket levels. And I see a lot of my container friends here they were looking very, very healthy and, and rich as we speak. Uh, as we speak today, the new energy map demands alternative longer routes in order to kick the Russian energy addiction. This results to strong rates for oil and gas. However, all my colleagues and I would prefer a peaceful Europe with normalized earnings to today's atrocities. Let's hope logic can prevail. In order to finish in a much more positive note, Greek shipping continues to grow its predominance in all maritime seg segments, including LNG. 25% of anything moved is carried on Greek-owned vessels. It is encouraging to see new generation of ship owners growing together with startups in a busting healthy hub around Athens with 200,000 professionals adding at least 10% to Mr. Staikura's budget and, and the country's GDP and branching out to places like London, Singapore, Shanghai, Dubai, and of course our hometown in New York. It is remarkable for a country of 11 million people to play through the centuries such a vast role of global and proves that Greeks thrive with fair and open competition and can be literally big fish in a vast pond rather than small fish in a crowded pothole. As about the future, after my failed track record, track record in predictions, all I can say is lunch might be served today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nico. Thank you for your support of this forum. Let's have lunch. We are going to listen to a videotape message from the Greek Prime Minister. And then Jay Collins, our partner in this event, after lunch, Jay will have lunch, and then you take over, and then you introduce uh, Minister Georgiadis, and then he's going to call uh, Dr. Burla to the podium. So let's have lunch now. Again, tremendous thanks to all of you. And we can listen to the message from the Prime Minister. In 2021, the Greek economy bounced back stronger than expected, exceeding its pre-pandemic level by the end of the year. And unemployment has dropped faster than elsewhere, below its pre-pandemic level, and to its lowest rate since 2010. But of course, we know that our job is far from over. We can ill afford complacency. 2022 is no less turbulent than the previous years. The war in Ukraine poses a grave challenge on multiple fronts. Inflation is affecting households and businesses both in Europe and the US. And of course, the pandemic is always on the back burner. The good news is that Greece's standing in the world is very different from where we found ourselves three years ago. We have proven that we can overcome great challenges and deliver change for the better. Last week, we announced that Greece has paid off its entire debt from the financial crisis to the International Monetary Fund 
two years ahead of schedule. Large multinationals are making significant investments in a variety of sectors, from tourism to data centers, and from renewables to semiconductor technology. Greek businesses are becoming more competitive, dynamic, and extrovert in their effort to thrive in an ever-changing world. And our country is turning into a significant tech hub, with Greek startups growing rapidly and forming partnerships with global leaders in their respective fields. In this context, it comes as no surprise that many Greeks who left the country over the years of the crisis are contemplating coming back and actually acting on it. Their international experience is a valuable asset for us. As more opportunities arise, more Greeks of the so-called brain drain generation will choose to grasp them. And as the talent pool grows, more businesses will choose to invest in Greece, leading to a virtuous cycle for the economy and the country as a whole. Ladies and gentlemen, back in 2019, in my first address to Capital Link as Prime Minister, I laid out the government's ambitious agenda in various policy areas. I talked about our aim to reduce taxation and social security contributions. I referred to the Public Power Corporation's restructuring plan, our efforts to digitize the state, and our target to slash NPEs in the banking sector. Almost three years later, and despite the pandemic and several other crises that came along, we have made good on our promises. Taxes and social security contributions have been cut. Shares in the Public Power Corporation have surged almost tenfold, and the company completed a very successful capital increase. Our state digitalization efforts are well underway, and our four systemic banks are on track for single-digit NPEs next year. And of course, there is much more to come. I can assure you that our appetite for reforms continues unabated. On top of our already ambitious agenda, we have the accelerating force of Greece 2.0, Greece's recovery and resilience plan, a comprehensive set of investments and reforms. Our country is the recipient of over 30 billion euros in grants and low-interest loans. The majority of those will facilitate our plans for the green transition and the digital transformation. The entirety of the loans is being directed to the private sector through the banking system in a transparent and efficient way. It is my firm belief that, as the title of this year's conference suggests, Greece is indeed entering a new era. In this proud chapter, every Greek, irrespective of where he or she lives, can play an active role in our collective effort. Together, we are building something very special, and I'm very grateful to you all. Thank you, and I wish you every continued success. So, Minister Stikoras, uh Jordiades, thank you all um, for being here. Um, I'm just going to say a few brief words because really our, the ministers uh, and Albert are going to um, uh, talk more than me. I, I, I just want to introduce. But before I do, I want to say one thing uh, or a couple, a couple points on the crisis and to put Greece in the context of this because uh, I believe that we're going through the, perhaps the greatest tectonic structural changes in the global paradigm that certainly we've seen since I've been alive and, and certainly since World War II. The minister and I were just talking about everything is being rewritten. The ground underneath us is shaking 
in every way from geostrategic alignments and the future of a very large number of neutral to hedged uh, middle countries in the world, deglobalization, trade pressures, or a, a fundamental rethink and dissection of supply chains, um, a, a crisis of climate meets energy security, um, uh, trade alliances and commercial alliances that will be reshaped by national security paradigms, um, democracies versus totalitarian regimes. Everything's really on the table, and when you think about it in terms of Greece, um, first, Greece has just shown extraordinary resilience in terms of what it's been able to do in this government to drive through and, and deliver results. And leadership absolutely matters. And I want to congratulate the Prime Minister for the, the bold, immediate, brave decision he made uh, immediately upon the invasion of, of Ukraine of, of making it clear his views and the government's views. Um, but right now, ultimately, the behavior of governments in Europe, including Greece, over the next several months will determine the course of much of how we come out of this crisis. And particularly as we watch stagflation play out in the economic, commercial, and political world. Um, and at the end of the day, when I, when I thought about introducing my friend, the Minister of Development and Investment, you've got to attract investment through this storm, this fog of war. And really, the we were just talking about both the extraordinary success that Alberto talked about with Pfizer, um, but also the, the track record of this government uh, in terms of really attracting investment. So in part, this is an introduction um, for you, but if you look at what both, you know, you, the prime minister, the finance minister, but, but you as the minister of development and investment, um, Minister Georgiadis, uh, from Hellenicon, which I personally worked on for over a decade, but you came in and changed the dynamics. Um, and for those of you that aren't familiar with that, you know, that's a 1% of GDP call. That's a 10 billion euro, 70,000 job type proposition that had been stalled, installed, installed. And um, the minister just moved the needle. He took, he took action. Um, Ignacia Motorways, which is a 2.8 euro uh, billion uh, transaction, again moved forward. Uh, DEPA infrastructure now with what you've seen 500 million, a little smaller, but still with Ital Gas, um, that transaction. And of course, um, uh, PPC, the, the Macquarie Infra deal. Um, these are transaction by transaction where governments either execute or they don't execute. And it takes, um, as Albert and I were talking about, that obviously the corporate on the other side is, is critical, their attitude and their belief in, in Greece. But we've seen extraordinary success in investments and we've seen a participatory, um, at least up until now, capital markets that has helped make this uh, happen from the capital raises of Paris Bank and Alpha Bank, PPC, and others. The capital markets has made, been made, um, thanks to you, Minister, to work again and to function and to be reopened for banks and, and corporates. Um, so I will, I will end here just by saying, um, you know, 
Minister Jordiades, your, uh, your CV speaks for itself, but at the end of the day, what really speaks to all of us here is what you've delivered since you've been in office this time around. So thank you again. We look forward to hearing your comments. First of all, I want to thank Mr. Bornosis, Nick, my friend Nick and Olga. I'm deeply honored, deeply honored really being here today after two years. And thanks to Dr. Albert Burla and Pfizer, it was only two years, because in the beginning we didn't know exactly. <laughs> and before I start my speech, I want to congratulate my friend, Mr. Tunis, and wish him a fantastic term in Athens. Uh, I'm sure, because I know you many years, that you will deliver and you will continue the fantastic relationship we have with the United States of America all this period and for the future. So you are very welcome in your country. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are here after two years of this very turbulent period. And I don't want to speak as politicians usually speak by saying what we will do in the years to come. Because I agree, and thank you for your kind words, in politics and in business, what really counts is not what you say you will do. It's what you have already done. Is if you can deliver or not. So two years after, I will just ask you to imagine me, as the Minister of Development and Investment, with my colleague and dear friend Nick Papathanasis, everything what I say is a common work between the two of us, and my one of best friends, Christos Taikura, from the Ministry of Finance, because we're a team, it's not a personal work, it's a government work, and of course the Prime Minister. And I would say two years ago, from here, after two years in Greece, Elinicon will have started, 10 years we were talking about it. Eldorado Gold will have a new contract and will be able to continue their investment in Greece. Seven, eight years was stocked. Pfizer, who has already come, and I will say some words after for that, in December 2019, Pfizer was the first already foreign direct investment that we had in the country, but at that time the plan was for 200 jobs, Today, 700 jobs already, and I hope it will be over 1,000. Microsoft will come to Greece. Digital Realty will come to Greece. Amazon Web Services will come to Greece. Meta Facebook will come to Greece. And various other. Most probably, my friend Albert, I will say it a little bit in Greek for all of us, and then I will translate. You would think, Kepunas fiction is estes. What would happen if the temperature was really hot? But all these things has already happened. And of course, I have to say that I really want to thank United States of America because most of foreign direct investments that we managed to attract these two years is from the United States of America. And this shows the excellent level of the relationship between our two nations.
Mr. Kalafats, my friend, you are the one that, that is coming, and we're waiting to you in the, with the film studio with great joy. But the main thing is that we managed, for the first time after many decades, to change totally the perception of Greece abroad. And I want to tell you that this is the biggest effort this government and this prime minister has. How to change the perception, and what I mean with that. For many years, if someone investor was even thinking to come to invest in Greece, his lawyers, his friends, his social environment, his colleagues would say to him, don't go there. You will only face problems, bureaucracy, you will lose your time and money. And this was the main reason nobody was coming to Greece. Greece is a beautiful country, in a great location, with intelligent people. But foreign direct investments weren't coming because their reputation was very bad. Mr. Fotakidis was, was one of the first that, with CVC, they decided to come. They were brave enough. But not all the investors are so brave, to be honest. So what we did, day one in the government, we started working very hard to change everything. Our first law from the Ministry of Development and Investment with Mr. Bernitzas, who is there. Don't hide yourself, Mr. Bernitzas. Went to the parliament. And the main idea was to reduce bureaucracy as much as we could. This was in the legislative level. But we didn't only do that. In order to unstock the Hellenicon project, we established in the Ministry of Development with the Minister of Finance, the two ministries, one concrete team that were working day by day with all the team of Lambda, you know that, Odysseus, with all your team and your lawyers and everybody, by ministerial to solve all the problems one by one. And this was the reason we managed today to have the Linicon already in process. And we know that after some years, we'll be able to go there and be proud about all these beautiful things you're going to do there. And what other thing we did? And we're still doing it. When we say something to an investor, we always deliver because this is a matter of reputation. I will tell you a very short story. My first foreign direct investment as Minister of Development was Pfizer. It was July 2019. I was Minister Albert, 12 days, something like that. And my friends from Pfizer, I knew them from my time, the Minister of Health, told me that we have a team from the United States of America that they want to see and examine if they could come to Thessaloniki to build their digital center. I knew that Mr. Bourla is a Greek, of course, and from Thessaloniki. So I realized, I didn't know him at that time. I didn't have the honor. Uh, but I understand, I realized that, OK, a Greek guy from Thessaloniki would be very happy to have it in Thessaloniki. But in order for him to make it, we have as a government to help him do it. We discussed with the team from the United States of America. They were examining six other cities. We reached a deal, and we kept our promise to the last. Why? Because we believe in this government that if a, an investor comes to Greece and starts working and realizes that you will find reasonable people with whom 
he can find ways to solve his problems. Problems will always occur in investments and in life. The, 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 the important thing is to know that when a problem will come, you will find people to find solution and not to cause you a bigger problem. That is the spirit of this government. We respect other people's time and money. And believe me, this system works. With Microsoft, it's the same story. We were competing nine other cities with Nick Papathanasis in the negotiations. Nine other cities. I still remember the day they sent us an email and said, congratulations, we decided to build the data center in Greece. We're celebrating like little children, like it was ours, the data center. And now, this week on Friday, we'll pass it from the by ministerial committee, named it as a strategic investment, and the real work is starting in Attica. So the message I want to deliver you here today is this is the time to come and invest in Greece. And to whom have Greek origin, I have to say something. I don't like the thing we were doing for many decades, that we're trying from Greece to persuade Greek people to come and uh, invest in Greece just because they are Greeks. I don't believe that the, that the economy works this way. Any investor will come to invest only if he believes that he will have a profitable investment. This is how economy works. But since now you see that other many non-Greek origin are coming to invest in Greece, for sure this is the right time and for you to come. Not because you are Greeks, but because you will find opportunities in Greece and people that will uh, make you solve your problems. I see my friend, Mr. Aguiliadis, in, 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 the, in the room. Thank you very much for all the cooperation we had these two years. Mr. Aguiliadis is the other story, Afandu, in Rhodes Island. It was the other story, the small Lelinicon in Rhodes Island. It was stocked for six, seven years. Now, uh, it has ever, everything is finished, and he's continuing his work and building this fantastic place in Rhodes, one of the best in the planet. One more story was sold during our term in these two years in COVID period, which of course has influenced us just because we were losing a lot of time just to deal with COVID issues because we didn't know how to deal it in the beginning. But the main idea still is Greece now, even after all these things that are happening, many people are saying to me, you were very unlucky in your term. You had Turkey in the beginning with the refugee issue. Then you had COVID. Now there is the invasion in Ukraine. I never see it this way. We came to politics to do good to our country. And I'm very proud that this prime minister and this government managed under these circumstances to keep our country stable, to keep our country with progress. Even this year, everybody predicts Mr. Zaklogl, the Deputy Minister from the Ministry of Labor, and a very good friend, and a very efficient minister, I have to say. Uh, even in this year, Albert, expectations are 3, 3.5% grow, which, of course, is not great. We wanted five with Christos. But under these circumstances for this year, it will be a very, very good uh, progress for our country. So the government was not unlucky. The government was in the right position, in the right time, 
to handle very difficult issue, and still is handling very difficult issue, in the best way we can for, for the Greek people, in which we own and their trust, we own the position we have, and we want to give them back this trust by very strong work and trying to do our best. And of course, you know that in the uh, financial level, we are now a country that repaid IMF and exited from IMF two weeks ago, important for the stability of our government, of our country, of our public finance. We had the success that Mr. Dobrovskis, the uh, Vice President of EU Commission, announced that this summer Greece will exit the surveillance of the institution, European institution, another step forward in order to achieve the biggest goal of the investment grade that will finish all the adventures that started in 2010 and will give us uh, in front a real bright future. So I want to thank again all of you for being here today. It's a great honor for us to come from Greece and tell you all the opportunities our country can provide in order to do business and investments and to tell you that with the same spirit, the same courage, and the same way we handled things these two and a half years, we will continue until the finish of our term. And if the Greek people will decide to re-elect Kyriakos Mitsotakis as prime minister, in which I have to say, this is my own prediction, he will be re-elected, he will win the elections, because he's a very good prime minister, and at the end, the Greek people will judge him very just. We will continue in the same spirit to work as hard as we can to make the life of the Greek people as best as we can. And the future, even this, in this turbulence time of war, that everybody is seeing instability and have uncertainty about what is going to happen, I can tell you that Greece will continue in the same way. And one last comment, I want to say that. When the invasion of Russia came to Ukraine, our government and our prime minister, and I'm, I'm very proud for that, was one of the first prime ministers in the European Union that took a very clear position on that. Against Russia, against this invasion, and for Ukraine. This was not always the case with Greece in foreign policy. Many times we had to balance our relation with Russia. But at that time, the principles Greece stands for, democracy, human rights, freedom, led us into a very clear position. And I'm very proud, and you should be proud about this position. Because this is what Greece stands for. And this is the Greece we really want for the future. A Greece with principles, a Greece with democracy, and a Greece with a strong economy, with all of you, with us. Thank you very much. Dr. Albert Burla, I have to say, I have given a lot of speeches in my life, but in front of you, I, had a little, I was a little bit nervous. I, ha I, ha I have to admit that. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Minister Georgiadis. Um, good afternoon, everyone. I want to thank first uh,
Capital Link President Nicholas Bornozis for this invitation to address the forum. Uh, I'm a very proud Greek, that's well known, but uh, you can't get enough being uh, recognized by your own country. It's, I'm, uh, I'm really humbled for this invitation. I don't consider it given, and I thank you very much. Uh, I was given a very large speech to, de to deliver, and uh, I was inspired by Minister Georgiadis, so I think I will try to go off, off script. Right? So, so and I thought, what could be in the minds of everyone here? And uh, given who I am, COVID, I understand. But uh, also, given that this is a day and that we are discussing about investment opportunities in Greece, and given that we were one of the pioneer companies doing investments in Greece, uh, speak a little bit about my, our experience and why we did it, what we found, and what is the situation today. But let's, let's start with COVID that I know it is in the minds of, uh, of everyone. Uh, I think the fundamental question that everybody is asking me, it is, uh, are we going to have COVID forever? And uh, you need to be careful how you answer that, because the truth is that I believe the most likely scenario is that the virus will be with us for the years to come. It's not going to disappear like uh, has happened in some other cases. And in fact, very few viruses in uh, the history of humanity have been eradicated completely, like smallpox, very, very few. But the fundamental question is not if the virus will be around. It is if we can get our lives back, if we can have go back to normality. And the thing that um, uh, is costing more psychologically, psychologically, and of course as a result also economically, it is everything that has to do with the social distancing. Um, I think we are arriving in a situation that because of the tools that we have in our hands, but also, to be frank, because of the tremendous pressure that society is putting in governments to relax the measures, that uh, in the years to come, we will have, from one hand, the COVID around, the virus, and from the other hand, we will have uh, less um, stringent healthcare policies that dictate social distancing. You, you need to wear masks, you can, you can go from one place to another. Uh, it's not only, though, the, the pressure. It is that right now we do have in our, uh, in our hands a very different situation, a very large part of at least the, the developed countries, the population of the developed countries has been vaccinated to a certain degree. Uh, that creates, even if the immunity is waning, uh, that creates uh, a shield that protects from severe disease, many of them. And the problem is that uh, when, you, when you look at the situation from a healthcare policy perspective, it's not only that a lot of people are getting uh, sick and some of them are going to hospital and some of them are dying, but it is happening in waves. So everybody is happening at the same time. And then your hospital system cannot absorb this tremendous pressure. And that's one of the, the biggest issues. Right now, we do have, through vaccination, uh, the belief that less people will need to go to the hospital. But even more importantly, there are treatments now. That, uh, uh, for those that unfortunately will get the disease, uh, with the treatment they won't end up in the hospital, 90% of them. So it's, going to, it's dramatic, the reduction. With those two in hand, certainly you can relax the measures, and I think pretty soon this is what they're going to see. That's why when they're asking me, when you think we will start getting our lives back, I said, I think by the end of the year, 
not because new miracles will happen in terms of the virus going away or new treatments arriving. Uh, everything that we will have at the end of the year is what we have right now, more or less. It is because the pressure uh, will uh, lead everyone to make this type of decisions. Now, uh, there are some specificities with this virus, why it doesn't go away as others and why they will continue having viruses, uh, variants, and that has to do with that it is spread all over the world, and that, so it's very difficult to eradicate. There are a lot of uh, places that exist. Uh, has the unique ability, not unique because all the viruses are doing, but has very strong ability to mutate, so eventually creates variants that they can survive and uh, continue their production. And more important than anything else, both natural infection, if you get sick, and vaccinations, but also natural infection actually is even less than vaccinations. They don't last for a long time. So you have the phenomenon that someone gets infected and then after a few months can get, get sick, uh, with the same even variant. And if there is a new, it's even more like that can get sick. This is why we are having this situation. But I repeat, I believe that uh, with very large parts of the population in the developed world vaccinated, and with treatments available, I think uh, uh, life will come back. Uh, the new developments that eventually will come will be, I think, in vaccines that likely will, or likely, this is technically very challenging, but this is what many are trying to do, will last for a year. This is not a virus that you can guarantee that you can get an immune protection against it for a year, but there are a few things that uh, a few aces technologically uh, that you can pull from, uh, from your sleeves to try to formulate a vaccine that can do as much as possible. And I think this is now where the efforts are concentrating. And um, hopefully, I think uh, better days uh, are, uh, are coming uh, and uh, we will not have uh, uh, this disruption to everything we knew. One small point, which is not small at all, uh, it's actually very, very worrisome. It is the situation in the developing countries, in the poor countries of the world. Uh, over there, the vaccination rates are very, very low. Uh, Africa could be less than 10 percent, and uh, other places the same. The first part of 2021, the first months, that was the result of uh, lack of enough vaccines. The, the richer countries had placed on, uh, orders well in advance, uh, so all the production was going there. And in fact, particularly the U.S., they had some restrictions as to how much you can take out of the U.S. to give to other countries. Uh, Europe also, but at least Europe were allowing 50 percent, approximately, of the production that was happening in Europe to go outside the U.S. until May, zero. But that was until May and June. Then suddenly, uh, a lot of quantities became available, and right now, there are uh, tremendous of, uh, quantities of vaccines that are available to the low-income countries, not at cost, for free. The U.S. government, only from Pfizer, has purchased one billion doses, of which they were able to give only 200. They have 800 million doses that they are giving for free. They bought from us at cost, so we didn't make money, but we didn't lose money also. But the U.S. is subsidizing this cost, and they are giving it for free, 
to the poorest countries. Unfortunately, hesitancy uh, over there is way bigger than uh, in other parts of the world. Uh, the ground over there is even more uh, subject to misinformation that is circulating. The infrastructure is not good. Here, you may want to get a vaccine. You need to, to go 20 minutes away to find the CVS to get vaccinated. Over there, that means maybe you need to walk know, one day to go to vaccination centers. So it's not easy. So there are, they don't have syringes sometimes. So they, but the most important, they don't have a demand. People, they are not eager to get the vaccine. I think that's a problem because that will uh, constitute the permanent pool that the virus will be able to mutate. So that's where we are. Enough for COVID, uh, because we had it, as the minister said, for our entire life, I mean, for the last two years, it was, was ruling our entire life, the last two years. I want to speak a little bit about <clears throat> Greece and investments and um, what is our experience. Um, Pfizer uh, decided to do a mid-sized investment in the beginning in Greece, and the truth is that I decided to do it. I didn't decide it only because I wanted to give something back to, to my country. Yes, that was pleasing me. That was uh, fulfilling uh, my heart. But I could go and do something in, uh, in Thessaloniki, and then I could be showing off to my friends. But look what I did. But the reality is that as a businessman, I realize that there is a tremendous opportunity over there to do something. And I realize because I knew how much we struggle in other parts of the world, let's start here, in the US, to be able to attract right talent when it was coming to several areas. We are highly specialized companies, so we are trying to find scientists, biologists, doctors, but also digital scientists, data scientists. And um, I realized how valuable is your ability to, to get the best and to get them in numbers and to get them in a, in a cost that it is competitive. And uh, it was a time that Greece was having this uh, brain drain, and people were leaving the country. And I knew that in Greece there was a university in Thessaloniki that was 100,000 people in, the, in Aristotle University. It's not a small one, it's a huge, right? And I knew that we can find those type of people. And I knew that uh, they will be devoted I knew that they are looking for an opportunity to prove not only who they are, they are looking for an opportunity to prove to everybody what Greece can do. They are seriously speaking, they take their mission in life, not only to do a good job for Pfizer, I'm talking about the specific people that are working for us in Greece, and they were hired as part of that project. They see it as the opportunity to prove to all that we were right to go there, and more and more will come. The, I remember when I first came to, to Minister Georgiadis, he had already worked out a lot of the details with a team of people that he spoke about it, that uh, they came and visited Greece. So Greece was competing with several different countries. Uh, and um, this team came to, to, to see what we can get. They were very much impressed with how welcome they, they felt by the Greek government. 
it was it made a big difference. Then, of course, they discussed and then they, they saw what they need and uh, what will take uh, to get licenses and you know it, everything can become very complicated from uh, having offices that will operate within two years uh, and that will not be stopped by I don't know some regulations that uh, uh, you can't I don't know put a sign here or you can use this building for this because the original license was given for something else. Problems that everybody is facing, and it was very clear from the dedication of the Greek government, with personal involvement of, uh, of uh, Minister Georgiadis, that all of that considered it done, and he did what uh, he promised. So, with all of that, we made the decision, and we made the decision to start the digital center uh, of 200 people, and we decided to operate it as a digital twin, which means that within this 200 people population of, of Greece. We replicate functions that are happening abroad. So for uh, every three, four people, there is a similar thing that is happening. So they are part of this thing somewhere in the world. It could be in Europe, it could be Asia, it could be in the America. So that uh, helped this hub becoming more like, uh, um, uh, very flexible. You can flex it up, for example, right? Or you can move people to different teams, because always there will be something happening in the world. Um, the first uh, applications were in the thousands for 200 positions, in the thousands. And uh, we were able to, to select people, but uh, the recruiters couldn't believe. The recruiters from, from uh, either UK, that we were using at that time, or the US, uh, the quality of the people that we got. The university, virtually, I stole this, open their, their door to whatever that was needed in terms of, uh, of collaborations, uh, they were there. Uh, very, very different environment than uh, what people had experienced by investing in different countries. And we started, and guess what? We're so happy that we decided to bring another center there. And then, as we were restructuring our workforce globally, we thought that this is a place maybe you can, you can put different capabilities, which was business services. This is a hub that serves the needs of the company uh, in accounting, uh, specialized accounting. So they are closing books for Europe, for example. They are specialized tax understanding of, of global uh, tax situations. Uh, centers for uh, supporting businesses in Asia. The time zone is ideal because it's just between Asia and, and the United States. It's virtually impossible, for example, US and Asia to, to work together. Virtually impossible. It's 12 hours, really. When your day starts, the others are really fried their, their, their mind. They can't do it. Uh, in, in Greece, you can, uh, we, people will start the work uh, and uh, in, in Asia, then they will discuss it with Greece, and then Greece will pass it to the U.S. as, as, as this happens. So it's almost around the clock we are able to move on projects in that way. Right now, we have 700 people there among the two senders, and they are active participants in everything we do. I was last week there, and... Um, uh, by, I was wandering around to, to, the, to the hub uh, and talking to people, just. Uh, 
and I was asking the same things to all. Who are you? What are you doing? And then eventually tell me a project, because everybody's telling me, well, who are you? I'm in uh, quantum computing. Okay, so tell me a project that you are doing to see what uh, the most uh, exciting project that we are doing. I was impressed with what they're doing. I came and today I was telling to, to, to Adonis that uh, we were um, having uh, the executive team of Pfizer today and I told them that I was in Greece and I saw what we did uh, over there. And I told them it's amazing how many projects that are under your, each one's organization in manufacturing, in research, in sales, uh, are happening right now there. Uh, so, all in all, uh, I wanted to do it. I was, uh, I would be very happy if I could have something in uh, the city that I grew up. Uh, I never expected that it would become such a big success, uh, not only because the environment was very welcoming, but everybody was thirsty, everybody hungry for success, hungry to demonstrate that yes, we can to use the president's <laughs> slogan of the past. Yeah, they want it, they want to demonstrate, and uh, I'm very, very proud for that, that I saw it and I got it right, that this is, this is what Greeks will do. So, uh, with that, uh, let me say also a few words about the, the war, and uh, because somehow if you don't speak about it, it's uh, almost like if you take a position to be silent. Uh, clearly, it is uh, not the job of business to, to be in politics, but this is not about politics. This is about the attack of uh, one nation to another. Unjustifiable, completely. That creates a lot of pain. Human pain, not only there. Creates a lot of uh, turbulence around the world. Uh, affects all of us. Not only economically, which I'm sure Many will, will, uh, will uh, feel it, uh, particularly in Europe, but also here, but particularly in Europe. But also, it, it's, a, it's a threat to everything that we knew. Peace, democracy. Uh, who would imagine that something like that will happen in Europe? And then, that being said, I, I, if you look back, all major events and catastrophes, nobody could imagine them. Just the weeks before they happened. Everything happened from, from the war, from the Second World War. Nothing could be, let's say, predicted with accuracy. Why now, what I want to emphasize, for us, it was clear that uh, the, the business world uh, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly uh, jumped into the international coalition to support uh, sanctions against Russia. So companies moved out, they stopped doing businesses. Came to us also, what shall we do? And it's not that easy in our case to, to make a decision because we are not going to say we stop sending our products to Russia. Let's try to understand what we mean, right? Kids that are in for cancer treatments, they will stop receiving the next dose. This is what it means, right? It's very very challenging. And for this reason, always, the medicines are excluded from sanctions. Right now, we are sending medicines to Iran, for example. You need to go through a process to make sure that the government really sees that what you are saying it is, not, is medicines and not some chemicals. But you can send, right? So all of that was clear. 
Um, so uh, I wouldn't say I struggled because for me the decision was easy. We can't say stop sending medicines. We will send medicines to, to Russia. But this doesn't mean that we continue doing business with Russia. So the first uh, also decision next to that was that because I knew that people would say, ah, I'm not sure if you do it because it's for patients or it is because you want to continue doing business and make money there. All the profits, every single dollar of the Russian subsidiary, we are donating to Ukraine uh, relief of the, of the people. <laughs> so, every single dollar. Actually, today I was with finance and I was saying, we made the promise, when do you close the books in the Russian uh, subsidiary? The amount, we need to be very transparent on that because people will be looking at it. So everything needs to be. And then we will give it through organizations, but direct support. So direct to Ukrainian support on the ground. So that was the first one. The second one, we do clinical trials. So we are doing a lot of uh, studies with new medicines, which of course, uh, they create a benefit to the country that you do that. There is a lot of economic benefit. We pay, you pay hospitals, you pay doctors, you pay a lot of things to be able to do that. Uh, we decided again the same criteria. We stopped doing any new trials. In the trials that are already ongoing, we stopped recruiting new patients. So if a study was meant to recruit 200 patients, someone in Russia, and we were in 50, we stopped there. We don't get new. But what about those that they were already? Again, remember, this is a new medicine against cancer, and they are taking it, right, for a few months, and then they need to continue taking it for the remaining of their life in most cases. So we continue sending also that. So no new patients, and we don't have uh, manufacturing sites, so we did have uh, plans to build, which we completely frozen. But, um, with that, still, I think it is important for the business to take a very clear position uh, that uh, we stand in solidarity with those that they are attacked, attacked it right now. And clearly, we are not advocating for a war. So the other alternative, it is sanctions, because you can just don't do anything, right? Either you go with guns or you try with financial sanctions. That will cost, everybody will pay, but still, the cost, particularly in human lives, will be way less than we have to, to go into war. So with that, uh, first of all, I want to thank you once more. Uh, many times my name was mentioned uh, from previous speakers. It's a great honor for me. Uh, and uh, I want to say that I feel that uh, it, I happened to be in a place when COVID hit it. I, I don't say that everyone would have done the same, but I think a lot would have done the same if they were in my position. I'm uh, lucky not because I took the decisions, it's because my team was able to pull it together. So basically, for all your gratefulness that I, I receive, what I say it is, goes to the 80,000-plus people of Pfizer that work day and night to make that happen. With that, thank you very much. <laughs> and whoever knows someone that wants 
to ask about investments in Greece, you can send him to me. Thank you.